congregation, this afternoon I proclaim to you the word of God as we confess that in Lord's Day 43 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 43, page 557 of the Book of Praise. And there the church has summarized the word of God as follows about the ninth commandment. What is required in the ninth commandment? I must not give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor condemn or join in condemning anyone rashly and unheard. Rather, I must avoid all lying and deceit as the devil's own works under penalty of God's heavy wrath. In court and everywhere else, I must love the truth, speak and confess it honestly, and do what I can to defend and promote my neighbor's honor and reputation so far our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, boys and girls who belong to the, the Lord. The ninth commandment then is about our words, our communication with other people, with God. God invented communication. It isn't something that people evolved. It's something that God invented, created in eternity already, we could say, because in eternity already, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit communicated with each other and made the plan for creation and salvation. And in the beginning, it was the word of God through which everything came into existence out of nothing. God spoke and light and universe and earth and all that lives on the earth came into being via the word of God. So our communication comes from God. God spoke with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And they enjoyed holy conversation in the beginning. God also created angels with the ability to communicate. One of the highest angels spoke against God and convinced, communicated with many other angels in order to rebel against God with him, Satan. He's the father of lies. And he entered the Garden of Eden in the form of a serpent and he communicated with Eve. Unholy communication he had with her. She and Adam ate from the tree God told them not to eat from. And so you have the fall into sin. Darkness comes over creation. The darkness also of lies and destructive communication. Communication that breaks down instead of edifies. It's because of the, that fall in the beginning that the world today too is awash with lies 
untruth, gossip, fake news, etc. But the amazing thing is, after the fall, God did not stop speaking with Adam and Eve. He, Adam tried to hide and God called to him, Adam, where are you? And at the beginning of the Bible, then we read about that astonishing communication between God and man and woman and Satan. Though sin would cause toil and trouble and death on earth, God communicated that Satan would be defeated by a child brought into this world by a woman and God's son did come in the flesh to redeem people for God. And not only to redeem, but also to renew. By his spirit, Christ renews the communication of those who love him, who embrace him. Their communication changes. He renews his own so that they become more and more like him in their communication. Trustworthy. Wanting to edify instead of break down. He makes us stand for the truth. He reforms us into his image through his spirit and word. God has Christ proclaimed to us today too, so that believing we may be more and more renewed in Christ's image, also in connection with our communication. That we love and speak and confess the truth honestly, that we're trustworthy people, that we follow our savior with that renewed kind of communication. And that brings us to the theme for the sermon this afternoon. Whoever follows Jesus will be careful to love, speak, and confess the truth. And we see that's because, in the first place, Jesus suffered for the truth. Secondly, Jesus fought for the truth. And thirdly, Jesus was victorious for the truth. Jesus suffered for the truth, first of all. Peter wrote his letter to Christians who were scattered throughout Asia Minor, servants, men, women. It wasn't easy for those Christians to show that they were Christians. They were having a hard time. There was a lot of discrimination against them just because they were Christians, and many of them were discouraged by that. You can imagine. Is, it, is this what a being a Christian is about? And some didn't know how they ought to respond to that discrimination and persecution even. How should they behave towards others and toward the authorities who were behind a lot of that unjust persecution and discrimination? While the Apostle Paul wanted to encourage those Christians with his first letter and he urges them to lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander and evil speaking 
He writes in the first verse of the second chapter of his letter, and to submit to the authorities, for that is the will of God, so that by doing good, they silence those who oppose them. And then he also writes about suffering for the sake of Christ. He writes that there's suffering and there's suffering. If you suffer for doing wrong and you take that patiently, no benefit in that at all. But if you suffer for doing good and you bear that patiently without lashing out, that's commendable before God. And then he writes, verse 21, for this, to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. A wonderful expression, congregation. Follow in his steps. You can, you can picture a small, narrow path through hills and forests in the dark. Somebody who knows the way is in front of you. And as long as you walk right behind that person, you follow on his, in his footsteps. You won't get lost, you won't fall over a cliff, but you'll stay on the good path and make progress. But you have to follow that person in front of you very closely. In the same way, says Peter, we need to pay close attention to Jesus' example. And then also his example of doing good for the standing for the truth, suffering for the truth even. If we follow him and how he dealt with unjust suffering, for instance, and for standing for the truth, speaking the truth, we'll stay on the good path. We won't end up losing our way, harming ourselves spiritually, ending up at a dead end. What was that example that the Lord Jesus gave us? Well, says the apostle, quoting Isaiah 53, he committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten. See, even when he was mistreated and unjustly condemned and reviled, the Lord Jesus didn't resort to unholy communication. Our Savior spoke the truth. And he knew that lying was the work of the devil, as we confess in Lord's Day 43. He knew that great liar from the beginning, the devil, the deceiver, and how he can make a mess out of communication. So the Lord Jesus stayed away far from lies and deceit, stayed true to his Father in heaven in all his communication. He suffered because of the truth, in fact, we could say. God's Son came to this earth to speak the truth. And he is the truth itself. 
He was the light, but people loved the darkness instead of the light, John writes near the beginning of his gospel. So many listened to the lies of the devil instead of the truth that he proclaimed when he was on earth. When the Lord Jesus was here, so many people refused to listen to the truth he proclaimed. How he must have suffered under that. They didn't believe what he was communicating to them. In fact, they saw it as the lie. And the result was that people loved the lie more than the truth. Think of how the Jewish leaders opposed Jesus. Think of his betrayal by his own disciple, Judas. Think of Peter, who wrote 1 Peter. How he denied his Lord with outright lies. And when Caiaphas accused Jesus of lying, and Pilate asked what is truth, they didn't realize the truth was standing there in front of them, bloodied and bound with ropes. Jesus suffered his whole life long because of the lies and deceit here on earth. He was put to death through the lies and deceit of the devil and people, such as Judas, the Pharisees, the scribes. Why did Jesus not open his mouth as he was falsely condemned and crucified? Why didn't he cry out about his innocence in the face of all that untruth that brought him to the cross? You know the answer, I'm sure he did that for you and me. In order to free you and me from the guilt of sinful communication, in order to free us from the power of the lie. For lying and deceit connect you to the devil. He invented them, remember? They're his works, his specialty. But Jesus, who is truth, suffered and died under lies in order to bring us back in the kingdom of God's truth. And he gave us the example how to live in this world, which is at this time still full of lies and deceit. As Paul writes elsewhere, let the attitude of Christ control you. In what you say and when you say it and how you say it. In all honesty and trustworthiness. Even if it causes you loss of faith, face or, or so, loss of face. Be sincere in all your communication. Be edifying to those around you in your communication. Let your words, Peter says elsewhere, be as the oracles of God. Even if it brings you suffering. Hold fast to the truth of God's word. Even if everybody around you mocks that truth and believes the lie. For instance, about creation. Or about same-sex marriage or so. The Lord Jesus didn't get caught up in all the lies and deceit in this fallen world. He remained true and honest. Even when his own people accused him of being a fraud and mocked him on the cross. He never talked down to people in his suffering. Even though he knew what was in those people. And he knew how wrong they were. He never slandered anyone. He never gossiped 
about anyone to others? What about us who profess to belong to him? If you believe in him, if you follow in his steps, what about us in our communication? You realize that we need to hate lies and deceit and love the truth and speak and confess it honestly too, wherever we are. Even if it's easier to lie, even if to defend yourself and bring yourself up, you slander somebody else. Even if you have to suffer for the truth. Jesus Christ, who is the truth of God in person, suffered and died for you. Would you then not be ready and willing to lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander? As Peter mentions at the beginning of 1 Peter 2, when you want to lay that aside to follow your Lord, lying and deceit and evil speaking and slander and gossip make this world sick. And we can never accept those things as normal kind of communication. If we love Christ, then we will follow in his footsteps in loving and confessing the truth everywhere and speaking uprightly and promoting our neighbor's honor and reputation. Do you follow him in that, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, too? The second part of the sermon is that Jesus fought for the truth. Following Jesus means not only being willing to suffer for the truth, but also fighting for the truth. How did the Lord Jesus fight for the truth? Did he shout, bang his fist on the table, yell at the others who were putting him down? Did he call all the angels together to destroy all the deceit of the devil at one time by force of might? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Matthew 26, he could have called to his father to send 12 legions of angels to destroy those who had come to arrest him in Gethsemane. But he didn't do that. No, the Lord Jesus brings about the coming of his kingdom by means of the word and spirit. You can see how he works during his time here on earth. The devil did his utmost to derail Jesus from his purpose. He tempted him in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry already. Just bow the knee to me. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. But Jesus spoke and lived by the truth of God's word. And throughout his ministry on earth, the devil tried again and again to disrupt Jesus speaking the truth. He set people against him, caused him to suffer unjustly, to suffer for speaking the truth. But Jesus did not react with anger, with negative communication. No, says Peter, 1 Peter 2, verse 23, Jesus committed himself to him who judges justly. He left all the injustice and all the lies of the devil and the people that they spoke against him, he left it with his father in heaven. He'll judge it all in the end. It'll all come out of the wash in the end. But could the Lord Jesus really fight the devil like that? 
That doesn't seem like fighting all those lies and deceit in the world, does it? You'd think the best way would be to fight with those things with force. If you had all the power in heaven and on earth like Jesus had. That's not what he did though. Jesus gave it over to God the Father. That's where he brought his suffering and sorrow and the injustice done to him. And he simply kept speaking the truth of God's word to people. Warning them earnestly. But also in love. Think of how he spoke to the leaders of the Jews who were so full of deceit, hypocrisy, and envy. And he saw it. He saw it in them. Think of how he said to his betrayer, Judas, do you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when Peter denied him, he communicated to Peter without a word. He looked at him. And Peter came to weep, weep bitterly because he realized how he had lied. And when first Caiaphas and later Pilate asked if he was king of the Jews, Jesus simply spoke the truth saying, it is as you say. And when Pilate asked him, what is truth? Jesus was silent because he is the truth. It was standing there in front of Pilate. See, in court and everywhere else, Jesus loved the truth, spoke and confessed it honestly and openly. His whole life was a fight to the end with the devil and with his lies and deceit and false promises. But Jesus held fast to the truth in all his communication. Also, the truth of God's word of promise and everything, because he fully trusted his father. He knew that only the word of God is truth. And only with God is there truth. Oh, Jesus' fight for the truth sometimes didn't seem like much of a victory. Did it? The devil seemed to have won the war. He was put to death. And when he rose from the dead, the Jewish leaders paid the soldiers who had been at his tomb to lie about his resurrection from the dead. Ah, his disciples took him away at night. And so you see that the power of the lie hasn't been destroyed by far after Jesus' death and resurrection. We see that in the world. Things the Bible condemns as immoral are being promoted as good, sadly, even by our leaders. Promote the lie. And how much deceit is not being disseminated on the world wide web today. And we experience that power of the lie in our own life too. Each of us, right? The truth is often more difficult to get out of our mouths than the lie. It seems sometimes a lot easier to kind of twist the truth to our advantage. than just to speak the truth as it is. It seems as if the lie all too often is the easiest and the most beneficial way to deal with something. And so the lie seems to win. But Jesus died as the truth and he gave us an example to follow. He obeyed the Father's word. He gave everything to, over to him who judges justly, who knows what's going on and will bring everything 
into judgment in the end. Every idle word spoken. And he shows us that we just need to stick to the truth. Stick to the truth of the word of God above all. That word is a truth, even if so many today call it myth, brand it a lie. Just believe the word and obey it and leave the outcome in God's hands. But trust that that is the way of blessing and life. Be trustworthy and honest and upright in your speaking. Confess the truth, speak it uprightly, honestly. God Almighty will make sure that the truth will ultimately, and he'll show that will ultimately be victorious over every lie that ever was. And Jesus shows that with his death and resurrection and his ascension in triumph. Follow him and you will see the ultimate triumph of the truth on the last day and to eternity. And so you realize we've already slid into the last part of the sermon too. Jesus was victorious for the truth. Congregation on the cross, Jesus bore God's wrath against all lies and deceit and slander and injust injustice. That's what he bore there. And he bore also the names of all God's elect in his heart when he went to the cross. It wasn't uncertain. He didn't go to that cross in uncertainty. Maybe some people will believe in me. No, he went to that cross with God's elect in his heart. He died for us in our place. And he rose victorious over death and the devil, the father of lies. And so the lie has lost its power to the truth, we could say. And so now we can live in sincerity and in honesty and in truth here. By his death, the Lord Jesus has obtained for us the life-giving spirit. And his mighty spirit wants to live in us and reform us into his image. And by means of the gospel, he teaches us to hate the lie and love the truth and speak and confess it honestly. We come to love the truth of the word of God above all. We know that it's the truth. And that the truth is victorious in spite of what others might say. And in spite of what we sometimes see around us today. And in spite of what we ourselves sometimes experience. If we have to suffer for maintaining that truth. The gospel of truth. And the spirit of Christ control our lives and are speaking more and more. So whoever knows Jesus as Savior and follows him is not going to be interested in twisting other people's words, in gossip, in slander, in condemning rashly, in lying or deceit. Will he or she want to dabble in those things? No. Would Jesus ever do any of those things? Did he ever do any of those things? Boys and girls, would Jesus ever bully somebody else at school? Or react to bullying by saying bad things? No. If we follow Jesus, 
we realize those things belong with the devil who is headed to the darkness of hell forever. And we've been freed from that power of evil by Jesus Christ. And we want to follow in his footsteps. And he will lead us through the, this life and onward to the new Jerusalem after this life. Where there is no lie anymore. No untruth. Only the glorious truth. In Revelation 22, the Lord Jesus encourages his people to follow him when he says, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to enter that city by the gates. In other words, embrace Christ. And then follows the following words. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. You see, in that glorious city, the victory of Jesus over the lie will be wondrously manifest to everyone forever. And won't the hope of entering that city and seeing that glory, the truth over all, motivate you to follow your Savior now and to love and speak the truth and to stand for the truth of his gospel in this world here and now? Amen. Let's respond to the proclamation by seeing together Psalm 119 stanzas 26 and 47. 